1: Phil Mackey. That boy is crazy. Judd Zolgad. I like the guy, yeah. but he says
0: goofy stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All
0: right. So the way that this works ordinarily, we come on for the Mr. Fix It segment, which, by the way, is sponsored by our friends from uh, Roof to Deck and Mike Hilborn. And Mackey says that Judd ordinarily fixes things, but it's going to be a joint effort. Well, Mackey's not here. So, I will try and help fix something. Brian Murphy will also participate in trying to fix it. And what we're going to do is we're going to assume that the news uh, that has been speculative for quite some time and has started to come out today, (laughs) Paul Fenton will be named the Wild GM at some point this week, leaving his duties as assistant GM in Nashville, and take over. So, the Mr. Fix-It is this, and I will allow you to start off, Brian Murphy. As far as fixing the Wild, if you're Paul Fenton, and now you sit in the office and you got the job. What are your first two or three things that you immediately begin to address as, as far as this team goes, knowing what you know from your time in Nashville, a successful franchise, and also having closely watched the Western Conference playoffs and knowing that the Central Division and the Western Conference in particular are very difficult?
1: You have to find the market value for Nino Niederreiter, Charlie Coyle, Jason Zucker, And Eric Stahl. And I don't mean in any kind of a package. I mean individually. And you may have to package something and Jared Spurgeon, because you probably have to package a forward, package a a defenseman if you're going to make a major, major, major deal, right? The other thing I would do, and I'm not telling, I'm not, uh, you know, reinventing the wheel with that, but they have to be willing to peel off Chuck Fletcher parts at this point, which I'm sure they will. That's going to be the key here. You have to. Yes. Here's what I, and this is a, a little bit more toward hot takery because it's not exactly stripping Miko Koivu. It's consolidating Miko Koivu's captaincy role. I think just like the Vegas Knights, I think you go with three A's you go with Miko Parisi and Suter because I don't think Miko right now is commanding that room or at least it doesn't feel like to me that he is now. He's been there 10 years wearing that C. That's an awfully difficult decision to make. But we're also talking regime regime change here, and we're, let's be honest. I mean, the culture of that dressing room has been in question for a long time. It's who's who's the guy that steps up when the wheels are falling off. I don't get the impression. You know, That's, Miko yeah. Miko leads by example.
0: I've been saying this. For a long time. Uh, he he, yep. he does a
1: lot of little things, and everybody respects him. I don't doubt any of that. Mm-hmm. But. You know, it, should it be acknowledged that this isn't going to have to be a suitor and it's going to have to be a Parisi deal? And I think certainly, with in suitor's case, it would require
0: him to take a little bit more of responsibility in that room as well. Now, when you talk about um, potential trade packages and/or trading players, how many players? How would you actively do this? Because you're not going to trade that entire list. No, so, I'm saying so, no. Right, right, those right. are the guys right. on the list. But I'm saying, if I could prioritize for you, or have you prioritize who you would look to trade? What would that list look like? So it's not so. Neater All those names. How, how would you do it? How would you orchestrate it? Neater writer. Yep. Coil. Yep. Stall. Mm-hmm.
1: I, Zucker. Stall. Spurgeon. I would take Spurgeon as the last guy I'd want to move, but yeah, unfortunately, and I'm with you.
0: I, I don't want to move. I don't want to move him. I just think from the things I've heard behind the scenes, he might get moved. The um. First guy that I would actively take to market is Eric Stahl. He's coming off a really good year. Two really good years. Yeah, two really good years. He's going into year three of a very reasonable contract. And I honestly don't know, he's what, 32, 33 at this point? Thirty three. How long this is repeatable for. And if you traded him to a good team, he would be, he has a chance to next year, I think, continue to be an all-star number two center. He's your top guy right now and you really don't have one so partially what I'm talking about is accepting that you very well might take a step back which Boudreaux would absolutely hate but I would actively see I think Eric Stahl traded to the right team and plopped in as their second center could be incredibly valuable for his age
1: but then you need to get a center in return because the Wilds biggest problem has that. always been center depth
0: and I think you need to look to do that um, the other the other potential package that I think I would go to the market with is this Granlund who I think is a marvelous regular season talent, but I do not believe he's a playoff player. I think Mikhail Granland's biggest problem is, is this. I think he needs to start every playoffs thinking to himself, tonight I might get hurt. But if I do, I don't care. Because I'm going to play as hard as I possibly can. But you look at comparables to Granland, and it's a lot of guys who come April are doing a lot of things that are dangerous, but they still do them. Granlund to me seems to be very, aside from the great playoff game and, the series I think he was good as well. When they beat the Avs. Yeah. When you get to the playoffs with Granland, there seems to be a reticence that concerns me quite a bit. And I would be willing to package Granland with Coyle with Granland, because I think Charlie Coyle now as a standalone has probably v- zero very value. small yeah. value on the market.
1: Seriously coming off this year.
0: And then and then the question uh, gets to be the restricted free agents. And you got Zucker and Dumba. And I know people can't stand Matthew, but statistically, if you look at what he does and his ability at the position he plays, I'm not trading him. I'm keeping him.
1: He's the one guy with the bomb that can get it through.
0: And I think Zucker, I think you could trade Zucker and get a pretty good return. He scored 30-plus goals. Once again, a guy in the playoffs who you don't see a lot from. It's a size issue. But I'm going to take him to market, and I'm going to focus on one thing. Regular season. Regular season success. So, stall a package of Granlund and Coil of some sort, and then Zucker... Dumba decision to me is easy. I trade Zucker because I don't think you can bring with restricted free agency and what those guys are going to try and command. I don't think signing both of them to longer term contracts is going to be all that feasible. N- not with the cap continuing not to go well. Buy they're going to be
1: very gun shy right now. I think right. Fenton's going to be gun shy because of what he's inheriting. He right? has to right. Well, just from a cap Absolutely. standpoint yes. too. So you're saying get rid of it before they you know they have to cash in.
0: Or offer long term I'm saying when, when Zucker and Dumba look for restricted deals, if, if you're trying to cut a deal that spreads the, spreads the cap out a little bit, they're both going to command too much. I probably sign Dumba and keep him and sign him to like a three year deal. And I trade Jason. And I trade and and I try and spice up a Granlin package with Coyle's presence. You think Stahl is done? Not done, but done as a 30 40 goal guy? I think, no, I. I think he is. I'm not positive of that, but I would make the trade. Because everyone I, doubted him two years ago I in know, New York. I know, but I would base the trade on this. He's not going to be part of your long-term future. I think you need to be looking at the future here. Two, three years This down. is not a Stanley Cup team. This is not, is this a team that can win Win around still? Not, not based I on know. what
1: I've seen in the Western
0: Conference playoffs. I don't think so either. Maybe
1: they could have beaten L.A.
0: Everything, if I'm Paul Fenton, everything I'm going to do with this team is based on a plan now. That is not 2018-19, which is, which is going to tick Boudreaux off and not going to sit well with Bruce. But, but he's an employee. But he's an employee, and the guy who who hired him got fired, and he got fired for a reason. And if I sit down with uh, Leopold now, and I'm looking at my salary cap and my contracts, and I've got um, Parisian Suter in the midst of 13-year contracts, which I think have six years left, if I'm not mistaken. I've got Koivu, un- I can't tell you why, but he, he was signed to a two-year extension that's going to kick in in 2018-19. Um, I've got no trade. Now, Now Stahl has, I believe, a tempor- uh, a partial no trade, but I can still trade him. Koivu's you can't trade. Parisi, you can't trade. Suter, you can't trade. Well, they're untradeable because of their numbers sure. anyway. Yeah, Koivu probably is. Parisi and Suter are for sure. But I, I at least have to look at this if I'm going to fix the Wild, I don't think the fix is for this coming season. I don't. I think that whole tweak thing is nonsense.
1: It's to it's to
0: assuage the
1: fan outrage. Well, sure, and with the prices they're them, charging yes, and the merchandise to, they're trying to move, it's to yes, to keep them interested and say. But a lot of Wild fans, after being treated to three straight first round exits and meek, meek first round exits, are cantankerous and able to see through that at this point.
0: Yeah, and I am I am very curious to see, as loyal as that fan base has been, and as passionate as they are about the state of hockey, I do wonder what their breaking point is. Because pre Parisian and Suter, they signed those guys because they, they had seats to sell. Yes, those games were not all sold out at that time. That was the first time they had gone through that yes, dip. Yes, and so I guess my question becomes, do people have the stomach to continue to pay those prices and buy all these jerseys, if they don't change things. Because if they think that they're going to change things with quick moves here, they're they're wrong. And I think you actually stand a better chance of alienating this fan base if you attempt to go year to year right now than if you actually say, no, there's a plan in place here. And the, the realization to me for a year now has been Parisi and Suter didn't work. It didn't work as planned. But now, you're stuck with them. But it worked as far as selling seats and season tickets. So business-wise... The team's happy. But, yes, you're stuck with them. And if the plan, and I think the plan was Stanley Cups. Of course. I think the plan was Craig Leopold got up there when they signed. and Nothing said Nothing short. Nothing short. He's been repeating that year yes. after year in training camp. I think that mantra, I think if you sit down with Craig, at some point somebody needs to sit down with Craig and say, the mantra needs to change. It's oh, not I realistic think he, anymore.
1: I think he already did. I think he already did. That. He contradicted himself a, a bit in his, his announcement of Fletcher not coming back when he said, all I see is a tweak, although he had a hard time defining tweak. But a lot, he also said, you know, maybe this isn't a Stanley Cup team for next year, but in three to four years, it should be a Stanley Cup team. This market deserves that. I mean, that is walking back, pretty far back, the Stanley Cup or bust mantra that's been there for two or three years. And what did tweak mean? I asked him that. I said, how do you define tweak? Right. And... I don't remember what he said, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't clear because now I can't remember it. <laughs> but it was along the lines of uh, we don't see this as a teardown. We see this as a mix and match type plug and play. it's, so and it's like, yeah,
0: I don't know how, you know, I mean, to find lo- logistically, how do you do that? It's it's not it's only not a teardown because you can't tear it down. Correct. The pillars are there. The pillars are there for six more years, I, I believe, or seven. I think it's six. But the pillars are, you're, those pillars aren't going away. It's why, you know, Shooter had the note a couple weeks ago in his Sunday column about the final straw, I think, might have been the Koivu contract. Mm-hmm. That does make some sense. Because the Koivu contract, why? There was never a need for that. It
1: wasn't a pressing issue.
0: And you're already And you're already burdened with these contracts of aging players who you can't trade, and you re-up with Miko on a contract that's not going to kick in until this coming season? And that contract is going to I think have a full no move in it
1: well, I think it's that whole genuflecting toward the captaincy
0: but why do but why?
1: I agree like, I'm like, saying why, right, but I mean right, from a cosmetic standpoint, it's like how can we have our captain playing out his contract? Well, the way he has played, he should have been playing out his contract
0: yeah, it's just the miko the Miko thing completely I've never gotten it I've never gotten the and he's been a very nice player. He has been. I thought two years ago he was actually very productive. Last year, not so much. But he's been a longtime member of your organization, in good standing, your captain. I get all that. He's a second first-round
1: draft pick they had.
0: But I would, I, I've i never understood this whole thing of, well, that's what Miko thinks. that oh, I don't care. Unless you are a, unless your name is Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or Anze Kolpatar, I don't really care that much what you think. I never have. I mean, this is why, this is why the only, off the top of my head, trying to think of the athletes in this town who I absolutely want to keep happy. So these are guys. Over the years, you're thinking. No, no. Right now. Right now. now. Carl Anthony Towns. Absolutely want him happy. Wild has nobody that I really care about that that much. If they're mad, I don't care. If Ryan Suter comes in my office and said, this is not what I expected. I say, I would say, okay, would you wave then? No move then? If I can move you. Do the Twins have somebody who I absolutely, positively, no, they don't. Miguel Sano's taking a powder on me. Maybe maybe Dozier, but they've already tried to shop him. Oh, yeah. Dozier, no way. Dozier, no way. I like Dozier. Nice player. But no, no way. Vikings? Harrison Smith? Yeah, they've already or, locked him up. I mean, but is there anybody who I say I can't afford to tick this guy off? Maybe Stefan Diggs? Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe cat's the one guy cat's the one generational superstar that i can think of and i know he's got different things that he needs to improve on but he's the one generational superstar that i don't want to tick off there's nobody in the wild locker room i would give anything for anyone in that room to come to me and say trade me right now trade me right believe now and hang up on me tell detroit you i would seriously i would love if miko would come to me and say uh paul oh, geez mr fenton i'd like you to wave that you know, I, I'll wave my no move. I want out of here. I would say I will be shopping you in five minutes. No way.
1: He's married a local girl. He's He's got roots here. He ain't going anywhere. Mackie and Judd now continue. I'll be more excited than this on 1500 ESPN.
0: In- Mackie and Judd today. Uh, Brian Murphy, Pioneer Press, in for Phil. We're in the TCL broadcast studios. So, uh, Murphy, you probably saw this. Um, there was a Brian Winhorst and Zach Lowe podcast at ESPN.com over the weekend. In which, in, I would put this a speculative but knowledgeable fashion. Informed speculation. Informed, exactly. Wendy uh, came out and volunteered up the fact that uh, Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves are, quote, not in a good place internally. And went on to say during the course of the podcast with Zach Lowe, I don't think Anthony Davis of New Orleans is going anywhere anytime soon. But Carl Towns, now that might be a different story. The immediate reaction that I heard to this from most is, well, come on, it's a podcast, number one. And, I mean, he's just talking about this. And the Wolves are not going to trade Cat. Let me start off by saying I completely agree with that. The max contract that Carl Anthony Towns can sign to stay here as opposed to trying to shop his services when he does come up as a free agent, here is so much more. He's not leaving. That's not my point from this. One is, you said the most important thing to me, informed speculation. Brian Windhorst isn't making things right. up. There is chatter. For exactly. It, it, and that probably comes from players, agents. It's informed. It, it It's from a place that is not. My newspaper boy told me that he talked to his grocer who talked to Cat who said he's not happy. But the most important thing is we don't need to talk about if Cat's going to be traded. The Timberwolves are not going to trade him. What we need to talk about is what we discussed last segment, which is Carl anthony Towns is the one player in this city that I want to keep happy. If Carl Anthony Towns is truly not in a good place with the team or with Tibbs, that's a real problem. I need him to be happy. Most athletes, I don't care. But this is a potential superstar, mega superstar, who needs to improve his defense but already does a lot of things well. If Wiggins isn't happy, I don't care. Um, so my point about what Winhorse said is not to try and fuel that he might be traded. It's to say this is just another in a long line, a long list of things that, that we hear coming out of Target Center regarding Tibbs and people not being happy. And at some point in time, enough dominoes fall where I think you got to say in 2018, where in a league where players run run the league largely... It's going to get to be too much for Tibbs. It's going to get to be too much. You you can't just have, you can't have him being mussy. This is not 1990. You can't have him screaming and yelling and making employees and your star player un- unhappy. So this is a totality thing. And this uh, Towns report is just another log on
1: this fire. Yeah, but who is going to be the person uh, That's the problem. to tell Tom Thibodeau how to conduct himself as both player personnel manager and coach. Who's going to do that? Glenn Taylor's not going to do that, and there's nobody he has no other boss. Correct. It's That's very linear. So, uh what I he, he, let me play a little devil's advocate though with Towns. Sure. He did not exactly dominate or flash maybe other than game 3 when all the wolves played well against Houston. He did not have a very good series against the Rockets. This is not maybe the time to be expressing some dispatch Well, what is it to be not in a good place internally right yeah. now? I don't know if coming off of that kind of a playoff performance, he should be maybe having his folks put that out. That being said, I do agree with you. This being an uh, the NBA being a players' league, and a, you know, in a twelve man roster, you've got well, you got at least one alpha male, and that alpha male is going to get and demand and be part of large decisions chemistry issues, and likely the relationship with a coach and whether or not that that is going to be a long-term uh, relationship or not. Now, you look at what Kevin Garnett had with Flip Saunders. That was a father-son relationship. That ended up, when Flip left, it disintegrated. His relationship with the Wolves disintegrated. The only reason he came back was because of Flip. And once Flip passed away, Kevin Garnett disappeared. And still hasn't been around. Disgruntled again, yes. Always disgruntled, I guess. Even in retirement, he's disgruntled. But to your point of pleasing Carl Anthony Towns, I would say he needs to get a little bit more under his belt in terms of equity. But his place as a a once-in-a-generation talent is unrivaled, or at least uncontested. So keeping him happy
0: with an ornery coach, how does that even happen? I don't know it does. And if it was just him, if this was the first report of discord from that building, I would say, okay, he might be a little bit of a pain in the ass himself, Towns, and this might be his problem to deal with, but it's not. This just, we continue to hear reports and we continue to hear, and I look at Tibbs and I don't see a basketball coach. Brian, I see a hockey coach circa the 80s. I see Mike Keenan. I see... Keenan wasn't that vocal though. Well, and Keenan and Keenan to his credit won at a high level. Went to Stanley Cups. He played mind games. But right, but he, but but he he was also he was also a screamer and and I think he yelled in the locker room a lot. I mean, but but the point being is, is Tibbs' end game to think that by screaming and yelling and making people uncomfortable and trying to to get them to do things his way, this is going to work. I just see it continuing, especially in this era of players. I don't think it's going to work at all. And when your star player now has, at least behind the scenes, let it be known that there's discord there, that's a problem to me. That's a real problem to me. Okay. So- and, and I'm the guy who ordinarily doesn't care about players. I'm, I am Mr. I don't care. So I am talking about. The only player, I believe, in this town who you absolutely, positively want to go home and say, I had a good experience today, and darn it, I want to be there for a long time, and if I am, we can win NBA championships. But that's not how Tom is wired. I know, but... So, who is going to have that conversation with him? I think you... Well, I think if you could, if I thought this was realistic, I think Glenn Taylor would need to sit down with Tibbs, and he has before. I I know... Dookie's told us before that the screaming and yelling on the sideline has got sit-downs where basically Glenn said, what are you doing?
1: Because he's five feet away from it, too. Yeah,
0: and he and his wife are sitting right there, yeah. and so that's caused problems. But short of Glenn Taylor being able to get through to Tibbs, I'm, my point is this is just another reason why I don't think it works. I think this is another reason why you look at it and say, he's got too much authority, he's got no boss... He's got players. He's got one player who I think loves him. I think Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler and Tibbs are kindred spirits, and I think it ends there. I really do. When you say that he's the
1: one person in town you want to keep happy, what about with the one athlete? What about
0: his pedigree makes you think that? His ability. And the one caveat I'll throw in here to say the if, the defense has to improve. And I know the Houston series was, those first two games were terrible, but I've seen enough from him to say, this is a superstar type talent, the type of talent that we have not had much in this town for any team, Mm -hmm. the type of draft pick that we haven't had much in this town. Randy Moss. Yeah. Yeah. I see that type of talent can shoot threes. He can play inside. He has the intangibles, I think, to be a Hall of Fame player. And I'm hard-pressed to think of a ton of draft picks in this town who I've thought that, that about in the past. There's a few here and there. But Moss is, Moss is a good comparison in that you watch... I will watch Cat and I say this is a special player. I don't watch any wild players and say this guy's truly special.
1: But could you also make the argument, too, that what Tibbs is doing uh, in in five years, if he's long gone... You know, Carl Anthony Towns will say during that time when he was on my back, and I may have been uh, not in a good place internally with him. <laughs> I love the phrasing that that those were uh, meaningful years, and he helped shape me. You always hear that yeah, sort of I retrospective. Don't I don't know the. I answer mean, we can't we can't know that. I
0: think the athlete,
1: but is I, that what Tibbs is thinking. That look, I'm going to be hard on him. I think I'm going to be hard on
0: everybody. Yeah. I think if Cat had played in, if I think if this was 1989, I would say definitely. But people and young people are wired so much differently mm-hmm. now and trying to get through to them. I don't know that this mentality works. It worked for Butler. It but- works for people. But Butler also came from a place of being a product who was thought of, this guy's not that great. Late first round pick by the Bulls. He's not that great. And has worked his butt off. Towns has been a superstar throughout his life, a good and bad thing, but I don't know that Tibbs mental, I don't know how Tibbs approaches people, works with a guy like that. In 2018. But that's who you hired, too. I don't you know, Oh that, yeah, that's this a, is a Glenn problem a Glenn, too. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean this is yeah. what this is who Glenn Taylor hired. This is who Glenn Taylor gave uh un, unfettered authority. Yeah. And wanted somebody to kind of quote whip into this into shape this
0: young roster. And he got him to the playoffs. Got him to the playoffs, but it was a grind. It was a grind. It, it was a grind, and and the pro tips people will point out that Jimmy Butler was twenty three games, missed right. a bunch of games, and people like me will say, yeah, but but Wiggins is not developed, and there's been so much, so, you know, Jamal Crawford couldn't opt out quick enough. Yeah, he was he gone to, after game five practically. I think that was a late a late June proposition, and his people almost immediately said, we're gone. Jamal Crawford might not have been a perfect fit oh, he for has the some team key
1: shots though for them.
0: But he's also and he's also a very smart, savvy veteran basketball guy. If he said peace out that quickly, that basically means I can't play for this guy. I just the town's report to me does not indicate anything about him being traded. What it does is it just adds another log to the fire for me of this might not end well. And it's if it's not going to end well and it comes down to Cat v. Tibbs. Yeah, you go with Cat. It's going to be a Cat a, a win. It's not going to be a Tibbs win. Dave, what's coming up in uh, questions? I've got a little Wolves topic to get
2: into. And Peter King wrote his last Monday morning quarterback column for SI today. Gave a lot of thank yous including a very long thank you and a couple stories about Brett Favre mm. I want to ask you about. Mackie Judd Zogad. I like these guys, but sometimes
1: they think they're too damn smart.
2: Mackie and Judd. Dummies. Mm-hmm. On 1500
1: ESPN. Now on Mackie and John.
0: Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave Erigan, you have uh, three very important questions for uh, Brian Murphy and yours truly. I absolutely do. Let's start with the wool with the wolves where
2: we left off last segment. It's simple, guys. Put these four names in order. Of when they will exit the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise, all right? First uh, one you give me will be the first to leave. The last will be the one who's here the longest. Are you ready? Yep. The names are Butler, Towns, Wiggins, and Thibodeau. Butler, Towns, Towns. Wiggins, Thibodeau. Now that we hear that cat ain't happy. Uh, I will go with Wiggins. Okay.
1: Thibodeau. Butler
0: and Towns? Mm-hmm. Towns. Yeah, it should be, so I agree with you, it should be Wiggins won. Heck, it might be in July of this year. Um, Tibbs goes next. Butler then follows Tibbs out the door. But Towns, to me, is not for. He should never leave they won't let him leave he should retire so him leaving him leaving will be followed 5 years after that by a trip to springfield mass so towns even if
1: he leaves at age 24 so
0: towns <laughs> no i'm saying he should never leave yeah he should he should never leave this franchise carl anthony towns should retire as the greatest wolves player of all time with garnett then number 2 so oh. I would put Towns the last on that list, but I think it's retirement. It's not it's not a trade, it's not free agency. You just continue to keep him and you get eventually you get a basketball administration and coach that can work with him. So he's pseudo in charge almost. Man, you're
1: throwing
2: a lot in
0: his plate. Yeah, you're giving him LeBron power at I, this point. I'm a big I'm a big fan boys. I'm a big fan. I know greatness when I see it. And I see greatness here. And plus, this franchise is wow. Been, I don't know if I've ever heard him say that before. And this franchise has been such a mess for a long time. You got to, yeah. you got to hit your wagon to something, Murph. And it, it's not going to be. Yeah, there's the Carl Anthony Towns uh, face. Uh, it's not going to be Tibbs. It's not going to be Tibbs. Andrew, who knows? Because the, I mean, he's got talent, but he's maddening. And yeah, I you think he could get moved this summer? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I. I I believe that all of the, the lip service the Tibbs gave him after games, he tried to praise him a lot. Yeah. Second half, I think, was all done to basically go to teams and say, look, he was great. You don't get it. You're not seeing it, but I'll trade him to you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question
2: number two Did you guys see the end of the ball game Saturday night? The uh, Twins lost to the Brewers when Josh Hader came in for Milwaukee. Throwing heat. I did not. I did he not either. I, I read about it. I did not yep. physically witness it. He came in with two outs in the seventh, got Kepler to ground out, and then starting in the eighth, swinging, swinging strikeout, swinging strikeout, swinging strikeout, walk to start the ninth, followed by swinging strikeout, swinging strikeout, and swinging strikeout. Wasn't he hitting like 97, 98? Not even quite that high. He was throwing 93, 94, That's 95. It? Not like got, the Cardinals kid. Yeah, he's uh, not. Oh God, the Cardinals kid throwing 105 Five, Yeah, I saw that. Uh but no, Hater's the he's the lefty, he apparently hides the ball well and you've got guys like Mitch Garver swinging out of their shoes and swinging right through it. And uh like I said, swinging strikeouts, six uh six in a row aside from that walk uh to end the game. My question is, when does Josh Hader become or turn from a great story to this is bad for the game of baseball. <laughs>
0: Because there's it's no already balls. bad for baseball. Because there's no balls in play. Mm-hmm. Correct. There's
1: no pace of play. There are no balls in play. We're so
0: past that. Off the Jason Stark stuff from yeah, last year. Yeah, I know, but I'm not going to blame this poor kid. We're so far down that path. I blame the Twins hitters, for God's sake. Hey, they can't hit a 93-mile-an-hour fastball. It was awful. I, tweet, I tweeted this out on Sunday and immediately got flamed, of course. Seam heads. Did you guys know that the Twins Brewers started, I believe, at one... 105 on Sunday. the th- The United and Sporting KC, my favorite team, started at like 107 mm-hmm. in the seventh inning of the Twins game. Do not
1: do not compare baseball As to the soccer. Brewers. <laughs> were making
0: another pitching change. I think Sporting KC was touching down at home in Kansas City. They have running clocks. It's not even the same. But it's why people. It's why people have soured on baseball. Oh yeah, I get that. It's too. It's too damn slow. So I'm not going to blame poor Josh Hader for this problem. I'm not going to blame him. It's a product of the game. Something needs to be fixed about it. And all of these baseball traditionalists who tell me, and I'm one of them, oh, no, baseball is a great sport. No, it's too long. It's too slow. The pace of play is awful. Yes. To
2: be fair, at least in the Twins game, the scoreboard eventually changed after the 20-minute mark. But it was 1-1. Which in the one. soccer
0: match, it did not. Okay, but it was 1-1 one to one at, the say, at the same time. But the at, ball was in play. It was yes. one to, Yes. Yes. Oh, it just... It, I can't blame the Well, what's pro- besides? For
1: besides me. then Good we're, for you, Josh. working deep into counts, strikeouts have become acceptable. Yeah, oh, long and ago. And that is outrageous. That should be an embarrassment as a hitter. No, it's not. Used to be. Used to be. Mm-hmm. Especially a swing and a miss. Yes. Because at least if you get caught looking, you
2: can look back at the umpire and go, what the hell? Yeah, bleep you, guy. That was a foot outside. Yeah, and I got
0: screwed. And Stark's been great on, on this topic because Stark's gone into the fact that now shifts have guys change their launch angle and when they do that they're just trying to hit home run so if they strike out they don't care and you got these shifts with four men outfields like for lomo and so now you got guys who either are thinking to themselves i'm either going to hit the ball or over he, everybody yeah, or, or i'm going to strike out and too bad but i'm still going to get paid but i'm all but i'm also going to work this sob to a three and two count every single time
1: and what? if he throws a ball outside that I could punch into left field, I'm merely going to follow it off and extend the at-bat.
0: When I, kept, when I kept a book on the Angels-Twins game a week ago when it was Otani Romero, and I kept track of the counts, everything was 3-2. It was 3-1, 3-2. 3-1, it was, you know, it used to be 3-2 count. Okay, that would happen. Now it's just the accepted. standard. And, okay, strike one. I take my time. The uh, the Brewers starter yesterday, the amount of time between pitch, get the ball back, look in, lollygag, then throw the ball. Get the ball, throw the ball. You need, the fact that Manfred didn't just put the damn pitch clock in is ridiculous. That needs to go, I would put that in tomorrow. But there are
1: systemic, deep issues that are causing baseball's games to go my- three hours and 50 minutes. They're nibbling around the edges on all of this. And you have? D- I have zero solutions. No, I'm sorry. Okay. I should have. I thought you going uh, no, to offer, offer up a grand No, no I'm just going to complain. I Seven have nothing games, to offer. Ones. Well, I would say that. I mean, I think the shifts are going to be legislated a little bit more. Now that 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 may have a butterfly effect on everything else. Really but defense. umpires sh- get, get the get the hitter in the box. Get the pitcher on the mound, okay? Those are two things you can take care of. But if, if every starter is expected to go to five innings and you're going to have three in-game pitching changes, with get rid of the warm-up tosses, okay? That could be one thing. You've been warming up in the bullpen. Why are you warming up now on you the don't, mound? You
0: don't need to go out to the mound to change pitchers either. Yeah, you could flag that. If I want a pitching change, I signal, guy comes in, in a cart, by the way, to in make it cart, as quick as I possible. Starting pitcher puts ball down. But until, but,
1: but until you reverse or unravel the acceptance of strikeouts and the penchant for running counts full, that's those are embedded in the game. Those are not gonna those are
2: probably the key reasons for long games. Peter King wrote his final Monday morning quarterback column for SI this morning, and he called Brett Favre the most compelling person. I've covered in my 29 years here at SI. Here's part of it. Spar, uh, Favre spent 72 days in a drug clinic in Kansas City to get off Vicodin. This weekend, we talked about that and about the end in Green Bay, and I found out something I never knew. I thought he went to rehab to kick his addictions once. Triple that. What? He went three times. For Vicodin or booze? Both. Oh, I remember that week, Favre said over the phone. You thought, man, this guy's high on life. You didn't know there was a reason for it. It is really amazing as I think back how well I played that year. That was an MVP year for me. But that year, I when I woke up in the morning, my first thought was, I got to get more pills. I took 14 Vicodin, yes, one time. I was getting an hour or two of sleep uh, most or uh many nights, maybe 30 minutes of quality sleep. I was the MVP on a pain pill buzz. He goes off. Uh, Goes and continues to describe, yes, three different trips to rehab. The second time, him not admitting at all that he had a problem with alcohol and a nurse saying, well, you'll be back. Guess which nurse was waiting for him when he walked in the door the third time. Is this like, oh, uh, yeah, what MVP year I know was, what, 96 maybe? 95, I believe, is the year. Yeah, 95 is when he held the press conference to announce he'd be checking himself into rehab. And that was trip one? Yes, that wow. was trip number one, but no we didn't know. There were three separate trips. With that part I read about him talking about playing at an MVP level on a pain pill buzz, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to be flipping here. Serious question for two guys that covered I know where you're going. every day. What do you think was higher when he said, and looks back, the level of pain, remorse, shame he feels, or the level of pride he feels, the fact that he was still able to perform? From based on those comments? Yes. The pride.
1: (laughs) It seemed like he was proud to say, look, I had I was playing at an MVP level and you thought I was high on life. No. I mean if he's if he's out there bragging that I took fourteen Vicodin one day and barely you know two hours of sleep, half hour of quality sleep, that's him building himself up. Look what You think these other guys were were solid? Look what I did. (laughs) You thought Joe Montana was the man? You thought Steve Young was the man? Troy Aikman was the man? Look what I was doing. I was pounding pounding Vicodin like sweet tarts, and I was going out there throwing pills. No pun intended. (laughs) I think there was a pun intended. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's more pride than... uh, What was the other option? Shame. No, there's no shame. Brett Favre has no shame. I mean... Brett Favre is sitting on a pile of cash down in Mississippi. He's got no shame. Judd. Sorry, Judd. Go oh, ahead. No worries.
0: It's a 1000% pride. It's a 1000%. Not 900. Look what I did. <laughs> Brett's the type of guy too who would I'm sure relished in saying three trips to rehab. Yeah, I went through three and played well after every one of them. No, Brett's got I love Brett. He was great to cover. Um, there's zero shame there. There's zero ability. It's why he ended two-team Super Bowl hopes with unbelievably stupid passes, and guess what? There's no shame there. He never even had to apologize for, uh, Sturgergate. No, and 2000... There's shame. Yeah, exactly. And 2000 and... Penis picks. (laughs) 2007, he threw that awful pass in the... Frigid game at Lambeau against the Giants that got picked off. And in 2009, for the Vikings, he came back and threw a different looking pass, but it was the same exact thing. No, when it comes to Brett, Brett is a character. Brett was great to cover for the most part. But there is, I don't think, as much as Brett wants you to think he thinks about things, I don't think he does. I think Brett thinks to himself, I'm Brett Favre. I'm unbelievable. It's why he had no remorse about looking at Rodgers and saying, I'm not going to help this guy. I'm not going to help him. He's going to take my job. Ten years later, he still doesn't care. No. Mm-hmm. No, and, and you, you're you right, Murph. Jen Sturger. Yeah. If there's and the Jen anything, Sturger thing, he never it, blinked it, during any... It, his... And
1: he never was forced to publicly acknowledge that, too, because it all came out after he retired. You know? There was the press conference, I think, he gave after the Jets game, right? When he was asked well, about it, it came, by some, it came some out New York...
0: That, it came out during that 2010 season, if you recall... And then he, he, he got asked about it because the Yankees were in town to play the Twins here and the New York Post showed up at Winter Park. And they were the first ones to, because it was a dead spin piece at that point. Yes, it was. And, but the Post, of course, was in love with it. Well, they should have been. And so the Post went and confronted and confronted. They asked him about it. And then there was, On a Friday? Where did they even get him? And then there was the game. Uh, it was a Wednesday. Oh, okay. He, he talked okay. on a Wednesday. And then there was the game in New Jersey against the Jets, and that's when all hell broke. But he, there was never, he never blinked. Nope. Like, I heard privately he got in a ton of trouble at home. Of course. I, I and, would yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. The wife ain't going to be too but pleased. He nev- <laughs> but you, you never saw him blink about it.
1: No, there was not one bit of humbleness or humility. Sorry, humbleness. Humility about that whole episode. And he never really was forced to make an apology because I think... The investigation concluded after the 2010 season, they, and he was already the mowing his right. lawn in Hattiesburg.
0: You're right. The league <laughs> investigated him and came back with a verdict, which I think was nothing, basically, or a fine. But I think they did that after the fact.
1: Yes. All so right. he never had to come out and do that uh, That very public falling on the sword, I'm ashamed I, I am shamed my wife, my family, and I apologize to all my fans out there as he's reading an index card. Never had to do it.
0: All right, let's take a break, come back, wrap things up, uh, but before we go, anyway, I want to talk to you about my friends at Prime Mortgage Lending and Kent McCullough. And what I want to tell you is if you are searching for a mortgage right now, this is why you need to go to Prime and go to Kent. That's because this isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn your trust then sell you alone. You heard that right. That means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do is sit down with you first and explain their plan. And then the decision is up to you. This is about a couple of very important things, teamwork and collaboration. That's what Prime is all about. It's what Kent's about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for that mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. Prime, for instance, wants to take some of that mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? Not just include them in your loan, but I'll say it again, actually pay them for you. The site to go to is goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent.com. Goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T dot com. Check it out today. We wrap up Mackie and Judd with Murph after this.
1: Mackie and Judd are back. One of the most absurd things you can do in sports media on 1500 ESPN.
2: The fourth annual Town Ball Classic is returning to Target Field this Saturday presented by 1500 ESPN and the Minnesota Twins. Make plans to attend and help raise money for the Twins Community Fund. Tickets are just 10 bucks, Good for the entire day of baseball. Gate 29 will open at 9 a.m. First pitch 10 with the Class C game followed by Class B and Class A. All the games also broadcast here On 1500 ESPN. For more info or to purchase your tickets, head to
0: 1500ESPN.com, keyword town ball. And most importantly, as I told you guys last week, at least at previous town ball classics, the beer stands have been open. So you could. (laughs) Do they serve past the seventh inning? You know, they do because, because they've got the day full of games. Yeah, that's right. They can't just cut it off. I used to be upset about that. But baseball is now so long, it mildly annoys me. The seventh inning is a three-hour mark. (laughs) I mean, yesterday it was three it was four o'clock in the seventh inning. I'm like, you know, you probably got your fair share of $12 beers by this point. You've probably done pretty well. If you've stayed, I told Don and I, I was going to take the wife to the game yesterday. And I didn't. She's like, I I got stuff to to do. And I said, that's fine. And I went and sat in the press box. But last night I finally said, honey, this is nothing against you. I am not taking you to a game because you don't like baseball that much. You want to go sit outside, but between the cost of a ticket, the cost of beer. And if I take her, there's no chance that we stay my fault too. I can't, if I'm just walking around the ballpark, I'm probably going to leave in the seventh or so Murph. I said, I'm not taking you to a game. I said, it's gotten to the point now. It is unwatchable. I'm not. Well, you, you don't like baseball enough and I'm not going to buy a ticket, pay for parking and pay for our beers for something where if we go out and have a nice meal, it's less than that, and you enjoyed it a lot more.
1: I couldn't, and think of that on television now, too. It's even worse to watch on television. I am find myself flipping over to a movie, you know, and it's like, I've, hey, Jaws is on. I've seen it 457 times, but you know what? I want to see them below deck. Hey, it's Point Break. I want to see It's Point Break.
0: Hey, Point Break's on Keanu Reeves on. <laughs> it's
1: Showgirls, which I think is aging well. <laughs> <laughs> Where did, it
0: is no it is not <laughs> say, Of course it, it, it is not. it didn't age well when it was a it week was old the
1: most horrific movie i've ever yes, paid to bad, see right yes oh it was horrific
0: i saw part of it and i
1: shut it off i was i, I, I actually it. went and paid for it what i did in 1995 i bought a ticket with uh it was another dude it was sort of uh I look, hope, let's
0: i hope you didn't take a date no i
1: did not take a date but we're like bah this is so bad let's go see it and then you know we had some party or something to go to afterwards we'll we'll like be so ironic and cool that we went to and we were like sitting through this this is the worst movie I've ever seen the dialogue is just horrific but anyway baseball is becoming showgirls
0: (laughs) (laughs) is that the is that the comparison that we are going to end today show on showgirls and baseball baseball is the new showgirls same path All right. Murph, thanks much. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me again. Mackie on a golf course today uh, promises to be back. Tomorrow we are in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Garage Logic comes up next on 1500 ESPN. This view was worth a hike.
2: Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health.
0: Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit colagard.com.
2: I'm in.